In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Somewhere along the way, at some particular time, many of us have probably had experiences like one of these. So see if this sounds vaguely familiar. You are in a major problem. It could be financial ruin, like the 2008 housing market crash. It might be a long illness, like cancer, that has set your path onto a completely altered course. Perhaps it is something closer to home. You and your spouse just can't seem to get along, and the love that you once felt for each other is dying, and divorce looms in the air. The road to whatever it is has been rocky, as more and more bad news piles on, and more and more debt collectors call, or fewer and fewer of your friends call you for the golf game or drinks in the evening. Fear, depression, anxiety, they all set in. And it appears that this is going to be your state of reality for a very long time perhaps even forever. There is no clear way out of the situation, and you have resigned yourself that this is the way things are now. Nothing will ever be the same again. Days, months, perhaps years, all fly by. There is a new sense of normal amongst all the angst. It just is. You are pulling yourself out of debt, even though you sold your home at a loss. You are managing the medication well, but it does make you sick, and you've lost most of your appetite. Marriage counselors are helping, but sometimes it seems that your spouse is spending more time at deer camp or having another girl's weekend. You see on Facebook that all of your friends are going on trips together, and you're left out once again. And the new normal adds more questions than answers, like riddles in the dark. How will we ever afford college for three kids? Does life even exist without this disease that I have? Or will I never know what it is to be well, to be whole again? How much longer before the call comes that my partner wants a divorce and the marriage collapses? And then one day, much like seeing the first wildflower in spring, or hearing the first bird sing in the morning, something happens. It is like the thawing of the earth after winter, and the first sign of spring emerges. The sun breaks forth, and it feels warmer than it did yesterday. You notice for the first time in a good long while that your neighbor's yard across the street actually looks rather inviting. Food tastes better, and the smell of apple pie 
or the aroma of a good glass of wine fills your lungs, and you realize that all is going to be fine. And it all seems that way because, well, many things could have happened. Maybe the bank called and said that if you refinance your home now, the payments will drop by $500 a month. Perhaps the latest scan has come back and the physician who is treating you tells you that the treatment has been successful and the disease is dormant, if not entirely gone. Maybe someone surprises you with an unexpected phone call. It could be that your spouse, who you still love deeply, comes home from work sits on the sofa with you, and for the first time in a good while, they say, I love you, and you know they mean it. Comfort, oh comfort my people. The nation of Judah has been held for about 60 years or so in Babylon. Through the prophets, they have been told to endure this time. Marry your sons and daughters off. Pray for the goodwill of Babylon so that you may be protected and well. Settle down, plant vineyards, grow gardens, continue in trade, because this time of exile and captivity is for a lifetime. For some of you, this will be permanent. And they do. We hear stories, like of Daniel, who serves the king of Babylon. Or the three young men who refused to bow to an idol and were cast into the fiery furnace. And we have the prophecies, many of which you know yourselves. And finally, like the first light of a dawn breaking on a clear, crisp morning, the children of Israel see a new and different day. Comfort, oh comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that she has served her term and that her penalty is paid and that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. This is good news. The time of waiting is ending. The people held in bondage, held in a foreign land, held by people who are their enemies, are going to be free, to be released. They are going to be allowed to go home. The return is anticipated. Now all they must do is wait for the signal to pack up their houses in one place and prepare to travel back through the desert. Except this time, the desert leads home. Now, we can read this passage in several ways. First, we can read this event as something that happened 2,500 years ago and say, well, good for them. Or, we can read it and say, what a lovely bit of poetry. 
but it is completely irrelevant to me today. I'm not displaced from my home in exile. Or, like all reading of prophecy, we can read it now, understand what it meant for people hearing it for the first time, and realize that this word from Almighty God is still relevant and speaks still to us today. More than any other year, this year for many of us has been filled with waiting. We have been in self-imposed exiles. We have been told to wait two weeks, and then more weeks, and now about nine months before it would be safe to return to a more normal life, whatever that looks like now. We understand this better now. We have seen our world change. But now, even the news is saying that we are closer to coming out of this situation than we were yesterday. But this is also not just our physical bodily exiles that we have, but our deep spiritual ones as well. We are held in bondage to sin. We all are. From addictions we may have, to bad habits we have developed, to a lack of discipline in our lives, we all long to hear the words, Comfort, oh comfort my people. And just as Isaiah proclaimed this good news to his people, and as John the Baptist proclaimed that the Messiah was coming and that this is good news, and as Jesus Christ himself proclaimed good news and peace to his disciples, we all listen with an alert ear for this word. Here is your God. Your God has come. Your God has come to redeem you. Your God has come to restore you. Your God has come to heal you and to put you back together and to be your God. And while he comes with great power and awesome might, God also comes tenderly as someone who cares for small lambs, carrying them and us in his bosom, close to his heart. All of us have had or been close to experiences that we would rather not relive. The death of a spouse or a child. Financial uncertainty. Perhaps an addiction that consumed us, and we were literal slaves to it. Or something still so hideous and dark that we dare not speak of it. God's word is that of comfort and healing. Now, what happened to Judah? And Jerusalem. First, Babylon was defeated by Persia. 
Then the king of Persia sent people to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem and the temple that had been destroyed. And he allowed all who wanted to, to go home, to return to their homeland. They rebuilt their city, their temple, and their way of life. And it was during this time of exile that the Jewish people came to the realization of why they are called God's chosen people. It was because they had a task to fulfill that no one else could. They were to be a beacon, a light to all the other nations. And it was through them that all the other nations of the world would be blessed. They came to a greater understanding of not only who God is, but who they are also. My friends, as we move onward to Christmas, as we await the coming of that light whom we call Jesus, let us re-examine our own selves, our own callings, and discern to a greater extent who we as Christians living here and now are supposed to be. One of the things that we will find is that it is our turn to now pronounce peace and comfort to a world torn by sin and strife. And the words that God spoke to the prophets, who spoke them to the people, the same words that Jesus has spoken to us and to the church, are the same words we proclaim today as well. Comfort. Oh, comfort, my people. 